You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Thursday, the 4th of November, 2021. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, again, there's been gremlins in the system. Apologies a few minutes late. Um, there's something I'm going to have to sort out on <laughs> my software uh, for this live audio stream. We will... I'll see if there's a way around this. Um, basically, my streaming software is going red and it looks like nothing is going through and it took me about 10 minutes to get back on to sermon audio so if you've been waiting for the last few minutes for the program apologies and you know what it's still going red and i don't know if that means there's a problem if you could email me a megiddo radio at gmail.com uh just to you know if anybody's out there <laughs> anyone is out there and hopefully it is going well whatever the case is it will be a podcast and that's pro it's where vast majority of people listen anyway but i know that some people like the experience of listening live and i also know that i prefer to do it live because i remember trying to go back to just doing podcasting it just feels like you're talking to yourself Anyway, so hopefully you're doing, everyone's doing well, uh, wherever you are in the world. Today we're going to be looking at the larger catechism under the title, where was my title here? The, the benefits and blessings of being a Christian, and that kind of seemed to summarize the next few questions that are in the larger catechism. And uh, hopefully it will be an encouragement. There's a bunch of stories that I've been sent um, or come across that I may or may not cover. Um, I'm trying to be... <laughs> I suppose there's just so much news at the moment and we're kind of inundated with a lot of things and I think what we we probably need largely is much encouragement because with everything that's going on everything's a doomsday prediction and even when it comes to the church i know it can be of benefit and it often is to have a critique of some way we're teaching uh, hopefully people online will and i've had emails to this effect that people have come across stuff on get a radio and also the movies that have been put out over the years that have left not-so-great churches and ended up in good churches. And that's really, really encouraging. And even some people have gotten saved. So that has been wonderful. And it's kind of why I continue to have some somewhat of an online presence and uh, pray that you keep these things in your prayers. But also, I find sometimes the you know just much of going through the larger catechism has been hugely blessing to my soul and also of getting emails of people who've been telling me that they have been looking into the the Westminster standards the larger catechism and all that and that, that's been helpful to that's been helpful to them which is wonderful to hear 
So, um, but if there is topics you would like me to cover, we get a radio, M-E-G-I-D-D-O, radio at gmail.com. I can't promise I'm going to, I largely do try to stick to my lane. Things I kind of covered in the past, Roman Catholicism would be a big area because I was a former Roman Catholic and I've spent years going through many things like that. So that would be uh, an area that I've spent a good bit of time on, other areas as well that kind of covered over the years, uh, some critiques with regards to people like Stephen Furtick. There's, there's a video from him that I'm kind of been sitting on, haven't just done anything because I've covered him before in the past and probably do something on that, stick it up on YouTube, hopefully just mainly to help the people, if possible, by God's grace, those people who are caught up in those things. But guys, I will say this, if we're not anchored ourselves in the truth, we're not going to be much use to anybody. And above all else, we shouldn't be it's a mistake I made years ago where you can spend too much time looking at the false stuff. I remember vast majority of my books years ago. Not This is not the case anymore, but if you would look at my book, books from about maybe like six, seven years ago, 50%, maybe more of them were heresy. Now, this wasn't because heresy that I was following, but I was reading the other side, and I think it's a good thing to do that. But I also think we need to um, be reading good material. Um, I don't have as many. Well, I still keep a collection. So, all right. First Corinthians, we're going to look at it at the beginning of the program. So we're going to be talking about questions, looking at the benefits and blessings of being a Christian. Something we need to remind ourselves of, especially with, I think with a lot of the poor decisions that we've been making uh, and how it has been detrimental and hurtful. And this is one of the reasons why I am... I was for the first lockdown around early last year. As time went on, I got, grew more and more concerned about things. I knew that there was a line in the sand. Eventually it would come. And... I got to a point late last year, I was like, enough is enough, and I can't support this stuff anymore. And I don't support a lot of the maskings and stuff like that. For this reason, I think we need to see smiling faces. I think we need to interact with each other. I I think we need to be shaking hands. Now, there are the exceptions. There are people who are you know, our shielding and all this kind of thing. And, and that's been always the case. There's always been immunocompromised among us, and we need to be careful with that. And I, I don't think we should be cavalier about it. And if somebody isn't comfortable with that, I'm not going to force it on, neither should any of us. But at the same time, I think for our, our mental well-being, which is part of our health, I, I'm sure people would acknowledge that, hopefully, uh, that as part of that mental well-being, that we would encourage one another, that we would interact with one another, that we would, you know, at the end of the, the, the epistles, it talks about giving a holy kiss, and I don't think that that's completely... I'm not saying that we, we necessarily go kissing everybody. My, my point is, unless you're in, in the Mediterranean or whatever, wherever the culture is for that kind of thing is, 
But my point is that we have a component of us that craves interaction and needs it. And we need to be encouraging each other. And we need to be lifting up each other. And, you know, we can find many reasons to get annoyed with what's happening right now. We are, have a flood inundate with, with bad stories. This is why I'm so reluctant to cover so many of them. There's just an absolute deluge of them. A couple of years ago, there wasn't a case. There was a few things here and a few things there. And, you know, you cover it as it comes along. But now it's just like, what do you do? But I think we need to be reminded of the blessings and the benefits that we have as being a Christian. And if you are listening to this and you're not a Christian, I thank God that the Lord has led you to listening to this. But I pray that you would see your sin before a holy and righteous God and that you would see the blessings of knowing Christ. That it is a wonderful privilege. It is, and it is open to all who will repent of their sins and trust in Jesus. There is nothing keeping you back, dear friend, from being a Christian except for your own sin and hard-heartedness towards the truth. And there's nothing better about us. We have been the recipients of something. We have received something so amazing. And we need to be reminded of what we have again and again and again because we're liable to forget. So before we get into the Westminster Larger Catechism and look at the questions that we're going to look at on this program, we're going to read out from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1-9 to and then comment on a little bit that section of Scripture. We'll pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we pray, O Lord, that you would bless those listening live. Pray also, dear Father, that you would bless those who listen to the program later. We pray, O Lord, that this program and what they're being taught in, in their churches is a massive encouragement to their soul, that they may be strengthened, O Lord, to face what lies ahead. O oh Lord, no matter what we face, help us to look to you and to be encouraged in you, that we would be bold in the face of opposition, and that we would always, with our anxiety and our fears, that we would always come before the throne of grace, seeking your face, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we now pray. Amen. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. And um, welcome anybody who's listening. Um, again, apologies, is a bit later than normal, and I think the, the stream had to cut off and stuff like that. I don't know. It, again, if you'd like to let me know if you're having audio problems, it, it's telling me that on the screen here, lots of frames have been dropped. And OBS is being a bit of a... I don't know if there's being any problems. I can listen back to... What is, what is streamed later and see if, if it's not, not a complete disaster. But again, the podcast will be going out later if, if this live stream is a problem. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let us hear God's word. Paul called to be an ap- apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs 
and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you are enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless his word. Now, why am I reading this section of Scripture? There may be other parts of the Scripture where Paul is telling them of what they have, but especially in this day when there are so many problems and it seems like every single time you turn on the news is a bad news story or whatever the case may be, um, we need to be reminded of what we have in Jesus Christ. Now, you might say you might have about a thousand things popping through your head of what's going wrong, either in your church or you know, we're fighting about this, we're fighting about that, and especially with the tensions that have been created by the, either an overreaction to COVID or an overreaction perhaps to some caution at the beginning, and you see clashes, unfortunately. Uh, again, as I, I probably, I don't know if I've said it enough in this program because I, I, I say it in private, I think we need to kind of allow for various opinions but not dictate over each other. You can have your opinion, but don't be, you know, there's going to be some people don't think it's a big deal, Let you know, or never thought it was, or whatever the case may be, let them, okay? Uh, there's going to be some people really, really cautious, let them, but love each other, okay? But the problem is you get one side kind of dictating over the other side, the, the side that's extremely afraid is dictating over the other side, and the other side then is kind of maybe reacting to it, or whatever the case may be. It's not healthy, and you can think of all the things that are going wrong. There were things going wrong in Corinth. There were there, there were divisions. Paul, in the next verse, in verse 10, says, And I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Why, why does he need to say that? Because there, there were divisions. If you think of... Corinth. What do we think of? Now, I know this is often the book that people go to when talking about charismatic issues and all this kind of stuff. And I'm by charismatic, I mean the Pentecostal movement and tongues and all that kind of thing. But Corinth was a mess, largely a mess. There were many, many problems for Paul that Paul had to deal with. And he goes through several of them. He begins with the problems of division and also lack of church discipline in grievous places. Many, many problems. However, even with all the problems that Corinth had, and no doubt it had many, Paul could say what he said here to the church of God, which is in Corinth. 
He had all these horrible problems, but they are yet at the same time, they were sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Verse 2. With all, they're just with all who are in every place, call on the name of the Lord Jesus, or Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. That is still true of them. They have been recipients of grace, all those who truly trusted in Jesus Christ. And then from verse 4 onwards, I thank my God always concerning you. <laughs> and if you read the rest of the letter, you're kind of going, what? You see, we can deal and tackle with the problems. And, and there are churches which have more problems than others and all this kind of stuff. However, do we say as well at the same time? Well, we acknowledging problems that it, it, I, I think it's not a good practice to ignore things. But do we, with Paul, give thanks for them, for people, for believers in Jesus Christ, almost no matter where they are? Now we thank God for believers in Jesus Christ. We don't thank God for error. We don't thank God for heretics. So let's make a distinction there for a second. Um, Concerning you, for the grace of God, he, he's thankful for the grace that God has given him, which is given to you by Jesus Christ. And one thing you can take away from this so far, they're on a level playing field. It's not like the Cor Corinthian church is, is a, a, a subsorb or something horrible. Because you look at all the problems that Paul is having to deal with, he still is thankful to God for the grace that is given by Jesus Christ, no matter all the problems that they're facing, because it's so tempting that we lack love towards churches viewed as weaker than others. Now, I even say viewed as weaker than others, because sometimes, I tell you, brethren, sometimes the churches that are on paper are the fantastic ones, the glitzy ones, the, the ones that are cooler than others. They can often have just as many problems as the ones that are not as exciting on paper where people are much more discouraged, or whatever the case may be. There's no... They are all recipients of the same grace in Jesus Christ. They are sanctified into their church, the church of God. They're part of that. But verse 5, that you are enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and knowledge, even as the testimony of, G of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short. Verse 7 here. You come short... In no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of, G of our Lord Jesus Christ. You come short in nothing. Who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we can be like, well, look at all the problems. You know, are any of these people saved? Or, no, we can't know these things. Our brains shouldn't go there. We should just follow the procedures laid out and treat people as the Bible tells us to treat people, as Jesus Christ tells us to treat people, as believers in Jesus Christ. And he he tells them what they have. If you're in Jesus Christ, no matter all the problems that are swimming around you, whatever church that you're in, Christ is able to confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, you, you, if you're in Christ Jesus, no matter what problems you face today, no matter what division, no matter what's going on, this is true of you. 
If you're if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, okay, you have massive problems. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, even if you've made a mess of it in places, and I'm not saying that for for an excuse, if you have backslidden, repent. Spend time, more time alone with the Lord, you know, prayer, be blessed in the presence of the Lord, all that kind of thing. But but we're reminded of what can never be taken away from you for this reason. God is faithful. Verse 9. God is faithful. Because if it had anything to do with us, we would be without hope. If it had anything to do with us, we'd be without hope. God is faithful, verse 9, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You have more, dear friends, than you realize if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. No, I don't mean if you're somebody who goes to church twice a year. Or, you know, for whatever is on. I don't mean for the person who calls themselves a Christian. There are many people around the world, and many people on that day will cry, Lord, Lord, have we not done many mighty deeds in your name. And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. I'm talking about believers in Jesus Christ. You have failed, no doubt, like I have and like many other people have in so many areas, but at the same time, you belong to him. At the same time, you will be presented blameless before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because you've been washed in him. And I think we could, I, I, we forget this, don't we? And we need to be reminded. Okay, so getting into that, we're going to now look at starting with question 57. We finished up to question 56. If this is the first time you've been listening to the program, we've been, not every single program, you know, we've, on the program, probably over the last, I don't know, maybe six months, I don't know how many months that we've been doing it now, we've gotten up to question 56 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. We're on a 57, hoping to get around maybe 60, 62, around that today. So question 57 of the Westminster Larger Catechism um, I'm sure if you if you don't know anything about the Westminster Larger Catechism, just Google. You don't even have to buy a copy at the beginning. Just Google it. You'll probably be able to find it on plenty of websites. Westminster Larger Catechism. Many websites will have it down there. And starting question 57. What benefits hath Christ procured by his mediation? Now, what has he what has he gotten? What has he by his mediation? Now his mediation, he is the mediator between God and men. And the answer here is Christ by his mediation hath procured redemption with all other benefits of the covenant of grace. Now the next few questions kind of flesh that out. So just to remind anybody who's listening uh, on the program, 
Megiddo Radio, M-E-G-I-D-D-O Radio at gmail.com. And you can ask questions during the program. Happy to answer or read out comments or whatever the case may be. Um, if you prefer me not to mention your name, you can just say that in the email as well. Megiddo Radio at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be during the program. It could be after the program. If you feel more comfortable with that, just let us know. Put in brackets or whatever the case may be um, what you would prefer. Now, so Christ by his mediation, because he is the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, hath procured redemption. He has redeemed us from sin with all of the benefits of the covenant of grace. The benefits of the covenant of grace. That one covenant going right back from the fall of Adam. After this, men can only have a a right relationship with God. How? Not by their works, not by maintaining their good works, not by personal perfect obedience, which was once the case with Adam before the fall. Now it's by grace. Now it's based on the perfect, finished, and final work of Jesus Christ, the second Adam. So that's question 57. It kind of explains it further, so does um, we'll get on to that. Question 58. How do we come to be made partakers of the benefits which Christ hath procured? So you're listening to this, and you're saying, how can we... How do we come to be made partakers of the benefits of which Christ hath procured? So how do we obtain it? How do we get it? How do we become, how do we possess it? You know, we wouldn't use that word procure much anymore, meaning to obtain something, be in possession of something. The answer here, question 58, we are made partakers of the benefits which Christ hath procured by the application of them unto us, which is the work especially of God the Holy Ghost. Now, yes, we must believe in Jesus Christ, but ultimately, The reason we have been partakers of these benefits and blessings of being a Christian is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. If it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit, no one would ever come to Christ, no one would ever see their sin, and we would remain in our darkness. We would remain in our rebellion. So, hopefully... Yeah, just double-checking there. Hopefully everything's going okay with the stream. Um, According to my software on my computer, it's not, but I've been wrong before. Okay, so we are made partakers. It's the work of the Spirit of God. Now, the Father chooses before the foundation of the world. The Son paid the, the sin debt, our sin debt, our penalty. And the Spirit of God applies that work to our souls. 
we are absolutely helpless. We are absolutely helpless. We can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's what it means in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, they were dead in trespasses and sins because we won't respond to the gospel favorably. We don't see our need. We are as capable of responding to the gospel or turning to the gospel, trusting in the gospel, as much as a corpse is able to get off the ground and walk around. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. We need Him. We need God. It's all of grace. It's all of His mercy. Question 59. Who are made partakers of redemption through Christ? So who are these people? Who have made partake who who have received who have received these blessings of redemption? What Christ has done. Redemption is applied, the answer is certainly applied and effectually communicated to all those to whom Christ has, hath purchased it, who are in time by the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, enabled to believe in Christ according to the gospel. The elect, those whom Christ has died for, and them alone. We think of places like John 17, where he says, I pray not for the world, but for those whom thou hast given me. Redemption, salvation, being delivered from the wrath to come, that blessing of being saved from the consequences of your sin is given to a special people, a particular people, a chosen people, a people purchased by Christ. A people whom Christ has represented, lived a perfect life for, died, was, was slain for. And it's only those whom the Spirit of God enables to come, otherwise they won't come. And this is pretty much Calvinism. It doesn't say the word Calvinism anywhere, but this is the teaching of Calvinism. The, the thing is, right, no one is forced to come. But it is only those who see the beauty of Christ because their eyes have been opened, they see both the, the heinousness of their sin and not only seeing the horribleness of their sin, they see how wonderful Christ is. And if you see that something is horrible, once something you once loved, and now you see how wonderful 
Christ is, who you once hated, what will happen? You'll turn from one unto the other. You'll turn from sin unto Christ. And that's the work of the Spirit of God. And that's why his people, his special people, the people of God, turn from their sin and trust in Jesus. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And the more you study the depths of his mercy, the more you see how worthy he is of our praise and our thanksgiving. The, the gospel truly understood ought to leave man in utter awe of how amazing God is, of how merciful God is. If he had just made it possible none would come. None would be redeemed. But not only did he invite all to come, he enabled his people, purchased by Christ, to come. And they infallibly come. Nothing is left to chance. And so, people might say, well, what are we going to do about evangelism? Here's the thing. Victory is assured in evangelism. Out there, we don't know who they are, are God's elect. Those precious souls whom Christ has shed his blood for, they will be brought in. They will be brought to repentance by the preaching of the gospel. That should encourage us to boldly go on because victory is assured. Question 60 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. Can they who have never heard the gospel and so know not Jesus Christ nor believe in him be saved by their living according to the light of nature? Can they who have never heard the gospel... Now, this is a very contentious issue um, raised by a number here and there, but let's read it carefully. Question 60. Can they who have never heard the gospel and so known out Jesus Christ nor believe in him be saved by their living according to the light of nature? And this question is often raised by a number. You, that all, It's not always a question raised by Arminians or Pelagians, but different people think about it what if you live in a remote part of the world and you the gospel is just not there what happens now before we read the answer you've got to realize that even apart from the gospel even apart from the the, the bible We are still condemned, and we still have enough knowledge to realize we are condemned. If you look at the beginning of Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. If you look at 
Romans 1.18. Just briefly look. The, the wrath is revealed from heaven above. Let's get that reference there. Make sure. Quote you right there. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. There is two sources of knowledge that the person without the Bible has. They have the law of God, they've been created in the image of God, the law of God written in their hearts. Now, of course, they suppress the truth and the righteousness, and it's not like the regenerate man, but they, they have a conscience. They know because of the Creator that they've been created in the image of creator, that they have broken his law. So there's enough knowledge there within us to condemn us. We're all worshipers. The thing is, either we will worship the true God or an idol. You see that... You know, places like Psalm 115, there's no middle ground. There's, we either worship and serve things that have eyes, but they see not mouths, but they do not speak noses, but they do not smell. But there's also the light of nature. The light of nature condemns. The light of nature shows that there's a good, holy, and righteous God who is, who has given them all that they have. They know from creation. This is how, as well, Paul argued on on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17. That even the pagan poets, Paul quoted in, in Acts 17, knew that in him we move and have our being, that everything's held together by God. So the light of nature condemns. And there's nothing from nature, though, that tells us there's no necessity placed upon God to redeem anybody. The the angels fell, and no Savior was sent for them. The angels fell. None is sent for them. So let's read question 60, what the the Westminster Larger Catechism says about this. They who have never heard the gospel know not Jesus Christ and believe not in him cannot be saved. Be they never so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature or the laws of that religion which they profess. Neither is there salvation in any other but in Christ alone, who is the Savior only of his body the church. He is the savior of the church. He has died for his bride, the church. Unless, and this is why missions are sent. This is why people are sent into the remotest places where there's Bible translations done of different languages around the world so the people will come to know Christ. So that they will be delivered from their slavery to sin. But just because somebody hasn't heard the gospel 
or seen a Bible ever, or ever come across Christianity or whatever, it doesn't mean that they're not a slave to sin. They are a slave to sin. That person, be they in a tribe or whatever the place may be around the world, they are in rebellion against God. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They have broken God's law. They have come forth from the womb in rebellion against God. The truths of Psalm 51 and other places like that are still true for the person who has never heard the gospel. And this is why, rather than using philosophical arguments to get around this, we should send people out there to different parts of the world to reach people with the gospel, to the parts that haven't heard it, Rather than trying to create loopholes, was like, is that fair? Is that fair? You know, and and of course, you'd have to say, well, fair. Is it fair that I'm saved and my lost neighbor continues in rebellion? It's because of God's mercy that I turn to him. What is fair? What are we looking for here? Fair would send, if you want to think of perfect justice and and, an equal whatever, would send everybody to hell. The fact is, God shows grace and mercy, enabling me, a wretched sinner, to see the heinousness of sin and to see the beauties of Christ so that I will turn from that sin and trust in him. It's not because I'm smarter than anybody else. It's not because I'm anything, whatever the, the explanation you may put upon it. It's all of grace. It's all of his mercy. It's all of his kindness. It's not his mercy plus something else. It's not he's done everything possible and then a little bit more. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no hope. No hope. They must be in Jesus Christ. And their attempts to keep the law to the best of their ability is still filthy rags before God. And this is why, lovingly, you go out into the world and share the gospel. They don't go to hell just for rejecting the gospel. People do go to hell for that, by the way. But they go to hell because of sin. Now, rejecting the gospel is a grievous sin. But it is sin. It is rebellion against God and breaking God's law that sends people to hell. Hell is the wrath of God. Now, question 61. Are all they saved who hear the gospel and live in the church? So suppose the question is in regards to those who sit under the gospel week on week. They hear the gospel. Are they all saved? Now, there's a danger as well, isn't there? Just presuming, say, your children are saved. I have two seven-year-olds. They're twins. The danger would be to, to presume that they're born again of the Spirit of God. Now, the da- it's also not a good thing to presume that they're unregenerate, too. With my children, I, I, I raise them as 
Christians. It's like a Jew in a, a Jew in a Old Testament home, if you want to put it like that, was raised as a Jew. They are raised in the covenant, but they're called to repent and trust in Christ. Now, maybe they'll be like, some will be regenerate in the womb. God can regenerate babies in the womb. He did it with John the Baptist. But that won't be with everybody. There are some people raised in Christian homes who will get saved in their 20s, in their 20s or 30s. They'll drift away. Out of unbelief, they'll break away or whatever, but then through God's mercy, it'll save them later on. So they should be called to examine themselves and see if they be in the faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5. That we don't presume regeneration, but we also don't presume unregeneration. And, and basically saying, we don't presume that they're unregenerate or regenerate. We treat them as the Bible tells us to treat them. As children of the covenant. The promise that God made to his people, I will be a God unto you and unto your children. And we know from places like 1 Corinthians 7.14 that children of at least one believing parent are treated as holy. Now, that's more covenantally holy. It doesn't mean that they're going to be regenerate. So it's very easy. It's, and these are not easy issues, brethren. But we should admonish them to trust in Jesus Christ and warn them of the dangers of breaking away from the covenant. And at family worship, that's what I try to, by the grace of God, do. Say, just because you're raised in a Christian home does not mean you are born again of the Spirit of God. People break away through unbelief. However, those who have been who've truly trusted in Jesus Christ will never break away. They may sin, they may backslide, they may make a mess of things. But they'll never fall away finally in a damnable sense from Jesus Christ. So the answer to this question, question 61, are all they saved who hear the gospel and live in the church? Answer, all that hear the gospel and live in the visible church are not saved. I wish we would start to believe that and preach like that again in many places. Some places do. But some don't. There's almost a fear of making the person in front of you Doubt it. Now, it's a bit reckless in preaching to make someone who's a sensitive soul needlessly to doubt their salvation, someone who is trusting in Christ, and, and, and that takes skill from the preacher and everything else. However, there is a mixed multitude before us, anybody who preaches the gospel. And by the way, this is not an invitation for people to start questioning the salvation of people within in your churches. This is not the way this should be applied at all. We should think the best of one another. So not everybody who's in the visible church who profess 
the, the true faith of Jesus Christ openly are truly saved. But the answer goes on to say, but they only who are true members of the church invisible. So you have the visible church, those who outwardly at least profess true faith in Jesus Christ. They are part of the external church, if you want to put it like that. Any church, and, th- and that is anywhere, and they could be weak churches, strong churches, whatever. But it's only them who've truly been born again of the Spirit of God, born from on high, are part of that invisible church. And the reason why we say invisible for this reason is because we don't know. And so you warn. You may have a situation, even in families, potentially. You know, you might have five children in front of you, four of them are born again, and one are not. And you just don't know. You're, you know, many children may come to faith in Jesus Christ and never remember coming to faith in Jesus Christ. They're so young when they do it. The question is, are you trusting in Jesus Christ today? In him and in him alone, are you walking with him today? It's so easy to get caught up in the fact that, oh, do you remember the exact day when you believed in Jesus Christ? I. I do fairly well, but many don't. I do because it was such a dramatic change, but not everybody has a huge change. Some grow up in fairly Christian, respectable homes. They don't have massive problems in drink, drugs, pornography, whatever the horrible thing is. And so they don't see massive changes, they see changes, and there will be changes to somebody who's born again of the Spirit of God. There'll even be changes to somebody who's born again sincerely and actually repents, by the way. You can be a Christian for 20 years, you may backslide in an area, you repent, and if you truly repented, there will be a difference. The question is, are you trusting him today? The question is not, do you remember the exact time of your spiritual birthday? Look, if you remember that, wonderful. I'm not trying to knock that or anything like that. I'm really not. Um, But I've, I think, if anybody's aware of my testimony, my testimony is pretty, well, it's pretty dramatic. But that's, it's not always like that. It's not always Paul and the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus type conversion. Some are born again. And there's gradual, and you know what? It's probably years later that some of them will say, "Oh yeah, it was around that time that there was a big change." And, and sometimes looking back as they grow, and it might be two years later before they have real strong assurance. Some may have assurance that they truly belong to Christ. Very, very immediate. We're all different. We're all built different. I'm a very much, and I've always been a very much an all or nothing kind of person. So in my rebellion against God, it was very, it was very, very evident. I didn't pretend. And then when I changed, it was very, very different. (laughs) Question 62 says this. What is the visible church? The visible church is a society made up of all such, in all ages and places of the world, do profess the true religion 
and of their children. So it's those who profess the true religion and their children. I don't really think there's a massive need to spend a whole ton of time on that. But it's a way to explain when you're looking at Paul's writing to the church, and then within the church, he's warning them, you know, if, examine yourself, see if you're in the faith. Well, if you're part of the, the church, well, how are you maybe potentially not part of the church? Well, sometimes he's dealing with, and as you would, you're writing to the church of God at Corinth, as we read earlier. Well, he doesn't know the hearts of the people. God knows the hearts of the people. So I hope, again, this is a blessing. MegiddoRadio at gmail.com if you have any questions before the end of this program. M-E-G-I-D-D-O radio at gmail.com. I have the email right in front of me. And if you would like for me to answer any questions while this is taking place, and if you've got comments or whatever, <laughs> um, you can share them there. Um, a pity. Don't have a chat room anymore. We used to have a chat room on YouTube, but um, ah, those were the days. Right, question 63 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. And, well, I think we might try and get down to maybe 65, but we'll see how things go. Question 63, what are the special privileges of the visible church? Answer, the visible church hath the privilege of being under God's special care and government and of being protected and preserved in all ages, notwithstanding the opposition of all enemies, and of enjoying the communion of saints, the ordinary means of salvation, and offers of grace by Christ to all the members of it in the ministry of the gospel, testifying that whosoever believes in him shall be saved, and excluding none that will come unto him. Whosoever wills. Okay? The, the special privilege. There are blessings and privileges of being part of the visible church, being members of the church. So they're under God's special care and government. And the thing is, you can't be under the pastoral care and government in a proper sense unless you're a member of a, of a New Testament church. Recently, we read a book, actually, uh, and me and a number of other brothers in a group. We read a book called Devoted to God's Church by Sinclair Ferguson. Not a difficult book to read. I would recommend it to people who are not convinced, maybe, of church membership or whatever the case, or you're not a member or whatever, and you don't see the value of it. I would recommend read that book. Not a, you could read it pretty quickly. I think um, devoted to God's church. I think it's called. It's been published by Banner of Truth. It's something that I think more and more people are not convinced of of the the importance of being a member, an active member of the church. So, the privilege of being under God's special care and government, so the government, you think of elders, there's also the deacons. Deacons take care of more temporal needs. Elders, more spiritual needs with the keys of the kingdom. Um, of being protected and preserved in all ages, notwithstanding the opposition of all enemies. The question goes on to say, and of, all, of enjoying the communion of saints, there is blessed fellowship, 
of being part of the visible church. And brethren, it's not like you kind of go, well, you can opt into one and you can opt out of another. What I mean by that is this. It's not like you're kind of going, well, I like the visible the invisible church is the visible church have a problem with well the visible church is an ex an expression visibly of the truth of the fact that we share things one with another we sh if we love christ we will love communion of the saints that's a wonderful benefit and blessing I remember the first four weeks I was saved, I didn't come across a single Christian. I was saved through internet stuff. Four weeks later, by the time I finally got to a church, and I remember that day, it was one of the most wonderful days because it was the first day I got to enjoy sweet fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. People just swarmed around me, asked me a bunch of questions. How did I come to faith and all this? And it was a wonderful time and just such a benefit of blessing if you are not in a church and you're a christian you are you're sinning but you're robbing yourself of that wonderful communion of the saints also under the, is the ordinary means of salvation and you say ordinary means of salvation ordinarily if you are rejecting the visible church you're saying you're rejecting the church and by rejecting the church i'm not talking about an organization now I'm talking about if you're rejecting the bride, that's not a good sign, is it? If you don't have a love for the brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't have a love for Christ himself. This is what it means. There's no ordinary means. The ordinary means of salvation. There's no ordinary means of salvation outside of the visible church. This does not mean by joining a church saves you. No. But if you are saved... That is where believers will be. For the promises unto you and unto your children. You are saying, if you're if you're if you're saying, I'm a believer, but I don't go to church, I'm not a member, or at least seeking to be a member in the future. I know sometimes churches will have you go there for a few months and keep going, keep asking questions, be patient with the process. Sometimes it takes a couple of months. Um, there's reasons for that, by the way. Um, if you reject the church, if you reject the bride of Christ, you're saying, you're saying publicly that you're not part of that bride. Also says in the answer, and offers of grace by Christ to all the members of it, now, I'm going to exclude a few things. I just, just want to be very careful what I say as well. Some parts of the world, it's difficult. Some parts of the world, you know, there's various different reasons. Sometimes there is poor decisions made by elders and people can't join and different things like that. I'm talking about the person who's not even trying to join. Don't look for a perfect church. There's no perfect church. Join a church. Join the church. If you're a credible profession of faith, and you are a believer in Jesus Christ. So it says, what's another be benefit of blessing of being part of the visible church? Offers of grace by Christ to all the members of it in the ministry of the God, 
of it in the ministry of the gospel, you get to hear the gospel. Now, I know if you reject that week in, week out, guess what happens? You're pouring more wrath upon you. But the blessing, the wonderful blessing, isn't the gospel wonderful? Isn't it life-giving? Isn't it affirming? Isn't it wonderful to hear it? Well, there's a blessing of being part of the visible church. You get to hear the gospel. Offers of grace and mercy come that you will live and have life. That is a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Don't take that for granted, dear friends. It's only when you've been deprived of it for a while that you realize what a great blessing it is. However imperfect your minister may be, the gospel is preached. And that's a wonderful blessing. Testifying, the question 60, uh, the answer 63 says, that whosoever believes in him shall be saved, and excluding none that will come unto him. Now, we talked about Calvinism and all this kind of stuff earlier, and then he died for his elect and all that. Here's the thing, brothers, this, brothers and sisters of Christ, this is biblical Calvinism. Excluding none that will come unto him. There's no rejection of anybody willing to come. If you're willing to come, there's no rejection of you. You say, I can't get my head around that. It doesn't matter. It's still true. But the only reason anybody's willing to come and trust in Jesus Christ is because of his enabling grace by the Spirit of God. Otherwise, nobody would come. Now, let us... Where did we finish there? So, oh yeah. I'm going to finish off with question 65. I'm going to do two more questions and then we'll finish. Again, remember, it's not too late to send off an email and we get a radio at gmail.com, but we'll probably be finishing in five minutes, ten minutes. Question 64 tells us, this is from the Westminster Larger Catechism, what is the invisible church? Kind of a similar, kind of a brief answer like what is the visible church? But the invisible church, answer, the invisible church is the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ ahead. These are those who have truly repented, truly believed. And here's the thing. The church in all ages is subject to mixture and error. There is the bride purchased by Christ who will infallibly be saved. And then there are other people who have never truly believed. They make an outward profession of faith, make up other people within that visible expression of the church. How do we distinguish one from another? Largely, you can't. The only way that they'll often reveal themselves is through church discipline, applying loving patient church discipline and in the process of time if somebody doesn't repent of some grievous sin and there's church discipline they demonstrate and show outwardly that they are not a believer and they're to be treated like a heathen a tax collector and things like that now that is only for people who after patient loving church discipline reject calls to repent and demonstrate by their hardness of heart that they're not of his. But really, we are not to kind of be the fruit inspectors. There are people who make 
utter messes of their lives, dear friends, okay? They're people who make utter messes of their lives and, and, repent when called. Do you know there's, there's situations you hear about and you think, sinfully, I'm, I'm saying sinfully you think like this. Oh, that's, that's over, that's. And sinfully we think, well, what's the point of church discipline? You know, like in certain cases, certain cases to do with, well, I can't believe that there's infidelity within marriage and there's different things like that. Okay. But there have been cases and there are lots of wonderful cases where there has been horrible sin. And what has happened once people have gone to them, calling them to repent, the elders or whoever else, especially the elders when it gets to being that serious, there has been repentance and growth and forgiveness. I think sometimes we can be very quick to just dismiss people and say, well, you went down to that route. Definitely not a believer. We don't know the hearts of people. People will get into messes that other people will never get into. But they're still part of that bride. And the shepherd should seek the sheep. The shepherds, the elders, the under shepherds. So, in the application of church discipline, it helps true believers to grow and it can be, and and the, the the fruit of that can be absolutely wonderful and sometimes sadly it also reveals those people who truly not belong to Christ and it may shock people but part of our submission to Christ is part of our is also shown by our submission to church government Elders. Now, all these things, by the way, are to be under the, the word of the living God. That's our final authority. Last question, question 65. What special benefits do the members of the invisible church enjoy by Christ? Answer. The members of the invisible church by Christ enjoy union and communion with him in grace and glory. They have that. Brothers and sisters, I, I, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever is getting you down, right? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you enjoy union and communion with him in grace and glory. We're going to leave it there. Hopefully that's been an encouragement to you in, in the midst of a sea and deluge of depressing news. <laughs> and I think probably much of the time we need to probably switch off a lot of the news feed, things that are trying to rob us of joy, rob us of our confidence in Jesus Christ, and, and spend time alone with the Word of God. Spend time alone with Him in prayer, calling upon the name of the Lord. It's been Paul Flynn. Thank you so much for tuning in. May God bless you all.